I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. What's up, everybody? This is Joe LaPuma. You are listening to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. I am with my full-bearded friend, Matt Welty. How you doing? And, of course, Brendan Dunn. What are you, stretching over there? Getting yeah, ready? Yeah, you know, got to get my calisthenics in. A little, little pre-workout workout. Okay. Joe. Yo. I need your help. Okay. You got to sort me out. I'm here for you. Let me know. Okay, here's the thing. This past weekend, Okay. I tweeted about it. You might have seen the tweet, but I took a two-hour walk to Bensonhurst. Okay. To get a sandwich. Leone's in Bensonhurst. They used to have one in Albee Square that I used to get sandwiches from. It closed down though, but go ahead. So you know. Yep. You know, quite a journey. I had the mask on, I had the gloves on, don't worry. Mm -hmm. They fucked my order up. Okay. They gave me the wrong sandwich. They didn't have any salad. I'm sorry to my girlfriend. Okay. No offense to her. You don't go to Leone's for a salad. I know. I know. I I was there for the sandwich. Okay. Who was it named after? They had the Robert De Niro. They had the Al Pacino. They had the Joe Torre. (laughs) Joe, you got to order by number. And so I told them 11A, they gave me an 11, totally different sandwich. Okay, but who is 11A in Leone's? Let's look it up. <sighs> look it up for me. But what, what'd you end up getting that you're so frustrated about? So obviously I'm a vegetarian. There was no, the sandwich I wanted to order had like fried eggplant on it. So something real substantive. Like this one was just like cheese and peppers and things like that. It just okay, was so hold on. Sounds amazing. 11, I don't see 11A, but the 11 is the Vince Lombardi. Roasted peppers, Leone fresh mozzarella, green pesto sauce, and a drizzle of olive oil and black pepper. Is that what you were going for? No, that's what they gave me. Would you walk two hours for that? No offense um, to them, but I'm just... Okay, but that is number 11. I ordered 11A, Joe. Now, here's the thing. I, okay. I thought I had some kind of clout. The, the Rich Antonello co-sign doesn't work in Bensonhurst. The Premium Peak co-sign doesn't work in Bensonhurst. The Joe LaPuma. What am I doing wrong? Careful. Here's the thing, though. I know that you've been canoodling in the DMs with Queen. Queen, I put you on to Queen. Asking <laughs> no, no, for no, merch. No, 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 no. No, but listen. No, no, no. All kidding aside, when Queen opens, remember this. A restaurant we both love independently of yep. each other's. Time out. How many times have you been there? Not as many as you. Wait, you've been to Queen before? Yes, no. Joe, we talked about it. We talked okay, about my it. I've been there. Okay, okay, my bad. When that is open, we are having a feast at Queen. Welty, are you coming? Because there's a lot of carbs. No, I'll go just yes. the one up. You, you, you think that that's bad. I'll one up you on that. I was on a press trip with Vans to Disneyland okay. in California. Mm-hmm. And I'm staying a few at- years back. Yeah, yeah, and I'm staying at... Not last weekend like Don, right? <laughs> no. Okay. I, uh, okay. I ended up walking like over like a mile and a quarter. In the park? 
down no down like the side of like the the walkway on like the highway or whatever because i was mm-hmm. just like i have time to kill to go eat an armenian restaurant in, <laughs> in la of course and i get there and i didn't do my uh substantive yelp research and the restaurant was out of business so i think oh, that th- no. i think wow. that that i think that's a little worse than going someplace and just getting the wrong sandwich that's painful the only thing I would say is you gotta kind of put an asterisk next to. He walked in the quarantine, so it's a little different than a press trip at Disney. I know, I know, it's a, it's still an unfortunate situation, but an all expense press trip versus him walking with his girlfriend. Hey, trying to impress her. Hey, let's go to you know, let's go to Leone's. Let's get some fine Italian cuisine, and then the order's wrong. So not apples to apples. Did you get to skip the lines when you were there at Disneyland? Uh, I don't think we ended up going on any, um, rides, but the, the one, <laughs> the one thing, the you one thing on I Disney do, the, the one thing I do oh remember, I ended up going, this was 2015, I believe mm-hmm. I ended up going to, uh, I was hanging out with the guys from hype beast and they're like, Hey, do you want to come to a post Malone show? Like, oh. I think it's like maybe 2014, like right. Wait, 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 f- this is as part of the press trip or this is a separate. No, thing? this is just after the fact I'm in LA and this is like right when like white Iverson, like first came out, like that was mm-hmm. your favorite song, right? Uh, I, I like the song. Um, but that's when the song first came out and I'm like, Oh shit. Like I'll get to go see him live <laughs> at some club in, in LA. I thought that was kind of dope because mm-hmm. they shot mm-hmm. things for hype tracks. So we had like VIP or whatever. We go wow, into like, full Judas. So you not only went on a, a, you not only was chilling with the hype beast people also hype tracks. So full Judas, keep going. Any, keep going. Anyways, Just any, anyways, we go into like the VIP room and I'm expecting like, post malone to be this dude with like you know braids and gold fronts and all that and i'm looking around and i'm like where the hell is this guy i don't see him and there's a guy sitting in the corner with a bape hoodie pulled over his head with like his head between his knees like hiding from everyone with his knees like his foot tapping like crazy like chain smoking cigarettes he was like so uh afraid to uh, to perform and then he goes on Shaky stage dog stutter yeah he, he goes he goes on stage and performs white iverson like three times in a row because that's like all he had and i go up on the stage and i'm like five feet away from him trying to get a photo and send it to the complex like social <laughs> there social we go. people there I we go to the complex social people and his bodyguard is like right there and he pushes me oh no and this is the only oh, time no. i've ever done this and i was like hey um yo, I work at Complex, bro. And he's like, <laughs> and he goes, why didn't you tell me that? Why didn't you get closer? And he pushes me from the back and pushes there me we like go. Th- three feet away from- Talk uh, about post- clout. Maybe I, not- I, a- I want to do the research after this and find the exact show Welty's talking about to yes. see him flanking Post Malone at, at some dingy LA venue. Welty, did he have the bait hoodie like zipped up over the face? Was it one of those joints? No, because he was he was smoking a cigarette. It was, it was I think oh. it was a full zip, but he like had his whole head covered so got nobody you. would see got him. It. Needed some air for the smoke. Joe, you probably got a bunch of those bay putties in the closet, right? Give me one sec. Let me see. Joe is starting off to the closet to check. Wealthy, I don't know if you're the same as me in this, but by the time I could afford one of those bay putties, they just weren't that cool anymore. So I wanted those full zip shark yeah. hoodies and all that camel stuff a lot. But Sorry, I don't have any here, but I have around four at my parents' house. I think the biggest thing with those bay putties was is like way back in the day, like 05, 06, when you really wanted one, you were just so afraid that you were going to get a fake one. I remember like looking at those charts on the internet and they're like, if the star is this far away from the baby yeah. Milo, it's real. And I'm like, I can't figure this out. I'm not even going to try. Like the first camo all zip though is amazing. I still have it. I must have it f- since like 2010 or something. Where did you get bait back then, Joe? I got bait at Bape. 
Yeah. I couldn't really afford Bape hoodies until like Complex, honestly. Yeah. I remember going into Bape and being like, well, I'll never be able to afford like multiple t-shirts. Like you went in and it was like, I'll take one, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dude, like it was ex- mad expensive. I used to go in there and be like, oh man, this vest, like, you know, the camo vest. I always wanted that. I still may get that when we're out of quarantine, if it comes back. But I just remember going in there and being like, oh man, I love this t-shirt. I, it was like, it was the like cutty era of Bape, you know, yeah, it was yeah. heavily. But you feel compelled to still buy something. Yeah. And then I was like, man, how do people come in here and just cash out? Like I could only get one thing. I had to like pick my purchases very carefully. I had a similar feeling. Like I think it was 2008. I was in the old Soulbox store in Berlin. I couldn't afford any of the BBC yep. silk shirts they had or anything like that. But I was just like, I have to buy something. So I bought a pair of Nike SB pigeon socks. You guys remember when Nike SB was yeah. doing the socks with the colorways on them? You, you buy it and you think it's so cool and it comes in this cute little cardboard box. Yeah, but then I remember that. a couple years later, you're like, what the fuck am I ever going to do with this thing? Yeah. I'm very excited. Lloyd Banks has been dropping music. Has anyone been listening? No. <laughs> no. Why do you laugh, Welty? I'm just not checking on it. In 2020. You respect Lloyd Banks though, right? It's, it's one of those funny things because there's a lot of things that I like in life too that are probably like not as cool anymore. And then you'll be very upfront to tell me that those things aren't cool. And well, now, you're, now you're getting hyped over Lloyd Banks in 2020. Joe, is he referring <laughs> to a text conversation we had earlier today? I know what he's talking about. I don't want to get into it, but apples and oranges, no? I don't think so. <laughs> kind of. Wealthy is talking about a rapper that he loved mm-hmm. back then that was maybe more prominent than he is now. But maybe not ever as prominent as Lloyd Banks. I no would say way. he was never never as big a name as Lloyd Banks. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a bigger discussion that we will uh, dedicate a three-hour podcast special yes. to one day. Definitely DM Wealthy and ask him. One thing probably do need to clarify, Brendan, is I posted that Instagram photo of me and you that like someone posted today, the picture of us in Malaysia. And I and I made a joke that like oh like the documentary is like coming soon and like people genuinely think that the documentary is coming out. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Was it really that crazy? Was it that crazy? Or it was, it was. Like really? It wasn't like a press trip though. It was like. So here's the thing, Joe. You know when yeah. you go on one of those trips to the other side of the world and you're there for such a short amount of time that your sleep schedule never adjusts. Yeah. So we were there for like three days. So we were barely sleeping at all. And the guys at Sneaker Law, the show that brought us out there to uh, shake hands, kiss babies, sign autographs, things like that. They were so accommodating. And so they were making sure we were going everywhere and eating all the best stuff. So it, re- it really was a good time. But I suspect nobody has uh, yet written a treatment for a documentary around yeah. our 72-hour <laughs> no. trip. How was Mother's Day? I don't know. It's just weird. It's just weird with it because it's like... My family lives in New Hampshire, so, like, what am I going to do, you know? Would you normally go up to New Hampshire for that, Welty? I don't think so. Not that I don't want to see my family. It's just right. the, the Sunday holidays are hard to travel on. Yes. Joe, you made the trip out to Long Island, is that right? Yeah, I surprised my mom after, like, 50 days of not seeing her or my dad. And, you know, she doesn't have FaceTime or Zoom. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah a little different. Like, uh, do your parents have FaceTime or Zoom? I bet my mom could figure Zoom out. But um, so yeah, I popped up on them. It was really good. We did like social distancing in the backyard. I ordered Chinese food from uh, my favorite Long River Chinese uh, place in Long Island and they delivered it. Mm. We ate it in the backyard, went in the basement for a little bit with gloves and a mask on and um, went through some crates. Yeah. Found some things. You were digging through your old sneakers? Yeah. Like just I wanted to take a little bit of inventory and I now know more than ever, I need to like spend two hours there with someone and like really take inventory because I was like 
you know, you surprise yourself on so many old releases that you have, like Pristine. Did you bring anything back to Brooklyn with you? No, and uh, Jose, the director of sneaker shopping, Jose Melendez was like, dude, bring them back for the content. And I was like, a lot of them are dusty. I can't bring them back. I have no room in my apartment. You know, I found the Purple Avengers. Good shoe. New York Blazers, the Bacons we know we talked about, but uh, Lance Mountain, Jordan 1s. Mm-hmm. SBs. Did you get a bunch of annoying messages? Because anytime I post a view of all the shoes I have stacked up or sitting in my house, a million people DM me being like, are you selling something? Are you selling? Don't DM me with stuff like that. I didn't post it. I just put it in oh. our Slack. I saw the promo pairs of the Jordan 1 mids with the MJ engraved from the Chicago press trip in 2008. And then I found, I showed you guys these, right? The MJ photos that I took at Michael Jordan Steakhouse. Yeah. yeah. Did you bring a disposable camera? I know, right? How bad was it? How bad was it? It must have been like the first digital camera ever. You had, you had to upload oh the God. photos onto yeah. the laptop. He went to Kinko's to print those out. <laughs> it was bad. Oh, one thing that people were talking about, the story I wrote about the 7-Eleven dunks yesterday. Oh, right. Not being... What were they bad. saying? What's the story, Welty? What's the story? Some people were saying to me, you don't know how much slushies did for the culture or something like that. Like, <laughs> that's funny. That, that was obviously a joke, but that's really funny. People were serious. The story here is Welty slamming the uh, Nike SB X 7-Eleven dunk, a shoe that I don't particularly appreciate either. I think you had some good takes on it, Welty, so I always applaud you for uh, putting your strong opinions out there. In Nike SB, the account replied to it. Hit me with the TLDR. Sunday morning, it's Mother's Day. Everyone's posting like pictures of their mom and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers there. Welty posts like, remember when sneaker culture wasn't corny with 37 iterations of the Jordan 1? (laughs) Welty, I almost replied, hey man, it's Mother's Day. It was like at 10 a.m. Woke up fired up, I guess. Sometimes you got to get the takes off while they're uh, on your mind. No matter what holiday, right? After 45 minutes on the Bulgarian body bag. Guys, let's move on. We could spend hours talking amongst ourselves, but we actually do have a really good guest ahead of us. In 2003, a brand was formed under the vision to merge skating, surfing, punk, hip-hop, and overall street culture into one. It's a challenge that in 2020, especially with the current climate, would sound like a near-impossible task. But Cali-based streetwear pioneers, the hundreds, did it. The Hundreds brand has adapted, shifted, and maintained substantial staying power through their own flagship collections, a wide range of collaborations, and even a website where you get brain food in between product drops. Oh, and if you want even more brain food, his book, This Is Not a T-Shirt, should be on your quarantine reading list. We're proud to have the co-founder of The Hundreds, Bobby Hundreds, on the podcast. Welcome, Bobby. Hey. There he is. Thanks for having me. How you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm just... um. You know, man, like highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weird days. Like, I just feel completely out of control of, I guess, like my mental states on most days. Like some some days I wake up and I'm on top of the world. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning I wake up and I'm just immobilized. Like yeah. I just can't even get out of bed. And I'm like, what is that? It's so weird. But yeah, I don't know. Like every week is different. Every day is different. Every hour is different. And just... But also, they're all the same. Yeah. I was just saying yesterday that, like, Mondays are really hard. I can't get motivated at all to do anything. And I was asking my staff about it in our morning meeting. I was like, why is it so hard on Mondays? And they were like, because we don't have weekends anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, every day. It's just been eight weeks. I know. Same day. Like, it's never, it's just a looping week. We used to have a break somewhere. Yeah. And it's just every day is the same thing. And so we're like, 
it's so tiring to wake up on a Monday and be like, oh, right, now I'm, but I'm doing the same thing again. It's just, there's no break. The last time I talked to you, you took me and Noah Callahan Bever, former Complex CCO, to the Serving Spoon. That's right. Los Angeles. What <laughs> a breakfast. Right. It was the day after Complex Con. It was. And all my friends who live down there were like, what are you doing in my neighborhood? <laughs> Don't you ever come back down here again? <laughs> that place was amazing. So good. It was so good. Highly recommend. We talked a little bit about how you're doing, you know, during this crazy time. And we talked about you personally, how's like the company and what's been different and how are you guys staying kind of like creative and checking in with each other during the pandemic? Yeah, uh, I feel like a lot of DTC uh, e-com brands can maybe share the same sentiment right now. You're either maintaining or you're actually doing better than ever. Mm -hmm. And for many of our peers, they're doing better than ever. It's the nature of the type of clothes we make, um, but it's also just, we're just good online. We have thriving communities. We have really loyal communities and customers in our marketplace. And so every brand has an allegiance. Also, I feel like we sell to a younger crowd who has a different perspective on coronavirus and COVID uh, as opposed to someone who's my age who has kids as versus someone who's like my parents' age. So younger people are very aware of it, obviously. They may not feel as threatened physically, even though they can get sick, as we all know. And even if their parents may get it, like they're also not that worried about their parents because they're like, I, I'm worried if my parents get it because they're mm -hmm. in their 70s and 80s. Like a young person, like a kid who's like 17 is just like, even my parents get it, they might not die. So I, I think as far as like health ramifications go, they're feeling pretty good as far as even if they're on an unemployment, as we all know right now with unemployment, people are getting caked off better than if they had even had a job. Yeah. So there's just like a lot of money floating around and people are stuck at home. Our customers are stuck at home and they need something to do. And instead of spending all their money going to Coachella or going out and partying and getting drinks or whatever, yeah. they're spending it on, on clothes and brands. I guess it makes sense. Like the hundreds had a blog from the very beginning, right? So the, the idea that you were always online, you didn't necessarily have to transfer yeah. an audience or anything like that. Yeah, a lot of our peers have been coming to us just asking advice, like how they always have anytime there's some type of digital transition, just because it's always been native to us and the native in the way that we speak to our audience, the way that we built our brand through the blog and then 10 years later, social and the way that I use Snapchat at that time. And so we're always trying to figure out the best way to communicate with our audience. And whenever something changes, I mean, especially this fast, you know, the first thing we did was like, what tools are open for us? What vehicles of communication? And so obviously Twitter, Instagram, like all the social channels, but I use an app called Community. It's in beta right now, so it's not widely available, but it's really just like texting. I'm literally texting thousands of people a day. And then I'm also uh, using TikTok to show processed videos. I'm not doing any dances or anything. <laughs> no um, two slides. No, no, not. <laughs> but uh, and then we also just launched the hundreds TV, which is basically just building and streaming uh, casts through our website where you can I hope it goes better than Quibi. I Ooh, Quibi. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Yesterday was the big article about how it's been off to a slow, disappointing start. Kind of. Yeah. You know, we met with Quibi. We were one of the first to meet with Quibi, I think almost two years ago, when it was like literally Katzenberg, Meg Whitman, mm -hmm. and three other people from Snapchat. And they brought us in and I was pitching them a bunch of stuff. And one of them was the streetwear doc that never happened. And they were just 
honestly not interested in, enough in it. They just didn't care. And now I feel like, you know, I saw a quote by Katzenberg this morning. He's just like, oh, I'm blaming everything on the coronavirus. Yeah, yep. I was like, well, maybe you're just making content that really is not what we want right now. Right. Like, I don't, I, you know, celebrity driven stuff. Like, honestly, I just don't really care. Totally. Um, and I think, you know, Streetwear Doc would have probably been the biggest thing on that platform today. But, you know, that's just me. That's my bias. Yeah, but it'd be a 10 minute Streetwear Doc who really wants to watch that. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's about all there is to say, really. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, one other thing you guys are working on right now is the Puma project. Can we talk about the Puma sneakers you're releasing? Yeah. So this is the first of a, a couple collections that are dropping this year. Uh, it's all themed around high school clicks. Puma came to us about a, a year and a half ago and they said, we want not just to do one shoe with you, but tell an entire story. And that was enticing to me because usually when we do sneaker projects, it's a one-off and they were like, we want to do full collections. We want to tell a narrative. And so I themed it all around nineties, high school clicks. And so there's like a raver and there's like a jock and a prep. And there's like this underlying social commentary just about how back then people were identified by their uniforms and they kind of all listened to the same music if you're a part of the same tribe and kids today are more inclusive and all-encompassing and open-minded and you can't tell what and who a kid is by the way they dress anymore mm -hmm. like any kid can wear supreme like he can be a gangbanger he could be a stoner he could be a theater nerd all these things and so um i just think that's like a pretty cool uh departure like change over the last couple generations from the way that we grew up and everyone had to think a certain way and now like you can be whatever you want you can dress however you want so that's really the message of that collaboration and the pumas are out now they're out yeah we dropped them first through our site our again our audience is very loyal so it blew out right away and then that's awesome um, through puma.com it dropped i think this weekend I don't know what their numbers are looking like but if you just judge by their social engagement like all of our stuff it's you know for months it's just like the most liked and most commented stuff on there so i think it's good you know like i'm, I'm really stoked on how it all turned out for us do, do you think people care like more just about like getting something from the hundreds than the brands you collaborate with or do you have to like <laughs> do you have to pick you know which brand you want to work with yeah that's so funny because of the pandemic because of the circumstances because there's nowhere to buy our stuff wholesale right now there's more people coming online there's a lot of reasons why our online business is exploding and everything we're doing is selling out. It typically sells out, but the way that it's selling out now, it's happening within minutes. So we released a shirt the other night with our friend Liz Beecroft, who did the In My Feels Nike last year. And that shirt sold out in, I think, 17 minutes. Wow. And we'd been we'd allotted enough. And that was for charity. We had allotted enough for like 24 hours and it sold out in 24 minutes. And so when people, uh, the staff has been asking this a lot. They're like, wow, like, people really love Animaniacs. Like that was a really good collaboration or people really love Puma. And one of my rebuttals is, yeah, but also people really love the hundreds. Yes. Like, I think they're buying it just because they want to support. It feels com comfortable, familiar to them. And there is also like a nostalgic sentimental quality around our brand, which in a time like this, when everything feels so uncertain and everyone is nervous and anxious for me, especially like, I want to, I'm reverting back to things that feel comfortable and trustworthy and that I grew up with. Like I'm listening to old music again. Like I just want things to go back to how they were. And I think that might manifest in the way that brands and designers design and what's going to resonate with people in the future. So when we do a project with Animaniacs, the reception to that people are like, Oh my God, when I was a kid, when I was a kid and that emotionality around that project really made it sing. 
And so I think the same thing is happening with the hundreds people that are coming back around now, like we have our, every generation, we have that 14 year old, 15 year old kid. And like, there's always another mm-hmm. seventh grader who's learning about streetwear for the first time. They find out about it through the hundreds. But now we're seeing this influx of 30 year olds, 40 year olds, like the guys and girls who are my age coming back around going like, man, I just needed a hoodie. I'm home all day. I'm not wearing a suit to work anymore. I went back to you. And so we're getting like both of these energies coming in at the same time. It's pretty cool. Do you feel nostalgic even just not being able to go to your physical store? You know, like how much do you miss those Fairfax days? Oh my God, so much. <laughs> I mean, I, I, are you guys getting more nostalgic just in general? Are you getting just sentimental about life? I think so. Yeah, it, it sounds weird. I've mentioned it on the podcast, but like watching the Jordan doc and then like going into yeah. my going into my closet and looking at Jordans, like I'm sure Welty has called it out on Twitter and stuff, but like <laughs> I'm not hiding that. Like there is a feeling like I was telling them on Mother's Day, I popped up on my mom and went into my parents' basement and was like pulling out sneakers and stuff because yeah. we took all kind of like this stuff for granted that was such an everyday occurrence and Mm. I can't imagine like not hanging out on Fairfax. You know, when we're shooting at Flight Club sneaker shopping, I pass the store all the time. I go in that alleyway to get through the store and I still see the crowd there. So, yeah, we put a billboard up. uh, Well, we have a billboard on Mm -hmm. top of our building on Fairfax. We've had it forever. And so this month they were like, oh, we have to promote. We have our our summer collection. We have this Puma project where we're going to put up. And I just said, I just want to write, we miss you. Oh, nice. I just like, I designed this black billboard with white Frizz Quadrata font and i just said we miss you and that was enough and everyone everyone's been posting it because they're like yeah dude like the street feels weird like yeah life feels very strange right now without us all convening and so um yeah i don't know i feel more sentimental and i think that's gonna uh, be more and more the case around brands that people really grew up and loved you know take us back bobby i want to know about those days when the fairfax store was where all the rappers were coming to shop where everybody was kind of converging yeah it was cool i mean there was like a mix of high profile clientele and celebrities like at that time like the mainstream rappers like Ludacris and nas and chris brown and rihanna came like two nights or the night before their incident wow and they were shopping for like outfits for that awards show or the after parties whatnot like that was that period of time but then you also had this next generation of kids that everyone knew there was like an energy around them like we knew that Tyler was going to be a thing. We knew that uh, these OF kids, Nakel, like we knew all of the Fairfax guys were going to be a thing, but they were so young. They're like 14, 15 years old hanging out. And I was just like, what is this? And they were watching us young entrepreneurs, like 25 year old guys running around making all this money. They're like, we can do that. We want to be that. We can be better than that. And they were, and they did. And so I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you ever replicate something like that. You know, in every generation, in every geographical context in in London, whether it was around like Malcolm McLaren and what that whole scene was and Tokyo with Harajuku, like everyone has a thing, even in L.A., whether it's like the Sunset Strip in the 80s and um, different cultures colliding and just kids coming together like that was our thing in Fairfax. There should be a movie about it one day. You know, (laughs) was there one person from those days who was hanging around the store that may not have been a star that you guys pinpointed like this guy's gonna be big one day or had like the charisma that no one saw yet like who was really kind of standing out amongst those groups of people that were hanging out near the store i mean i'm i'd be lying if i said that we thought any of those kids could actually be a superstar like Mm -hmm. that blew us all away we Mm -hmm. all knew there was a, a charisma and an energy around these people 
But again, streetwear was so counted out and excluded from the mainstream conversation. None of us thought we were going to actually make it to this level. I didn't think I would still be doing this. I turned 40 this year. Wow. I didn't think I'd be doing this, let alone be having the best week of the best month of the best year of our careers, like over the last couple of weeks, like mm -hmm. that was never supposed to happen. So w our eyes were watching certain kids out there and we were looking at certain designers and brands and going like, oh, they're going to be big. But within the sense, within the language of streetwear and street culture, I thought they were going to be big. Got you it. know, I just thought that was it. That was like the, you're going to be big on Fairfax and that's it. Like no one's going to know you beyond that. Even when I remember when Earl dropped that video, right? Yeah. That was the first big splash. And everyone in Los Angeles, the entire music industry, everyone in fashion, all the skaters were passing around that video in the same afternoon going like, what is this? And I was like, oh, these are the kids. They, you know, some yeah. of them work at the jive store. That's so-and-so. And everyone's like, there's something here. And even then we were like, this is going to be big, but it's going to be like, it can be like Krayshawn or like V Nasty, you know, it's going to just be a thing within our world. Like that's about as big as it gets. It's like, and it's it, like when you did the Brown babies collection, basically. Yes. Right? Yeah. I, I've saw so many iterations of what that could be. Like if Brown babies happened around that time, or if it happened today, it would be the biggest thing ever. It was big for us. Even at the time it got so big that we had to stop doing it. But for those who don't know early on in the brand, we, like really within the first two years of the brand, we're hanging out a lot with these girls that were called the brown babies. And there was like a Mexican girl, a Salvadorian girl, Guatemalan, a Cuban girl, half Asian girls, Filipinos. And they were just all like claiming the fact that they were brown and proud of being brown. And they were cute. And they had like big hoop earrings and tattoos. And they were getting fights and would go out into the nightlife scene in Hollywood. And everyone was like, dude, who are these girls? I started building a brand around them with Ben. It was called Just Brown Babies. And those shirts just started flying. And I was like, this should be a reality show. I never knew about this. When was this? This was 2005, 2006. Okay. And it was big. I'm telling you, it got huge like within weeks. And I was like, okay, this, there's going to be MTV reality show. At the time, MTV reality shows were a thing. I was like, there's going to be animated series. This is the new Brat Stalls. Um, we can merchandise the fuck out of this. This is going to be huge. And uh, it just got so big so fast that those girls internally started having factions. And like their egos were growing. They're like, I'm going to move to New York. And like, fuck you. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then Ben and I, one night, I remember it was like three in the morning. And I was sitting there with like six of these girls. And they're telling me like how to design a shirt. And I walked outside and I called Ben and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm pulling the plug. And the hundreds wasn't even a thing yet. Like there wasn't even like a, it wasn't promising at all. It was just like a fun project. It wasn't project. huge? And it wasn't huge. And Ben was like, dude, let's just focus on the hundreds right now. Thank God we did. Can you tell that Nas story? I know you mentioned Nas being in there. I think this was in your book too. It was like right yeah. around the time that Kingdom Come maybe came out, Jay-Z's record. Was Kingdom Come when he was coming out of retirement? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, Nas walked in to the store. He would come in every now and then. And uh, Morgan, who's one of our old shop guys, who was playing the album. He had found a copy somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he just downloaded it. And um, it wasn't out yet. And Nas walked in and was shopping and then realized what was going on. And he just stopped and he's like, is this the new Jay? And Morgan's like, yeah. And he's just like, huh. And he just sat, he stood, our store was really small. It was 400 square feet at the time. And he just dropped his bags and he just stood there and he listened to, I don't remember if it was the entire album, but at least like a few tracks. Like he just was like, just keep it going, keep it going. And he just sat there and listened to the rest of it. 
And then he just picked up and he's like, hmm. and he basically said like, not bad. And he just kind of gave a shrug. <laughs> and we were like, this is insane. Cause that was right off the heels of them having their yeah, static, crazy yeah. static and beef. Mm -hmm. And so it was his first time hearing what Jay was doing. And, uh, it was, it was only like a couple of us in the store. Morgan's in there. I was sitting there like just watching and I was like, is this really happening? Um, yeah. Were you guys nervous? Was it like, no, we need to turn this Jay-Z off? No, we were just, I think we were just stunned. Like nobody move, you know, like maybe if we don't move, he won't see his kind of thing. Like I just didn't want to disrupt the moment. I didn't right. want to end. Like I didn't want to be like, oh, can I help you with something? Or, oh, what do you think? Like I didn't want him to get all self-conscious. Like he was completely oblivious to everything else that was happening. He's just like, he walked in and it's basically like he ran into Jay and was just like, all right, I'm going to see what this is all about. And he didn't care about anything else that was going on. And then I took a photo of him right there. You had like the photo booth in there, right? Do you still have it? No. You don't? I remember when Cuddy was on his first cover of Complex, he had around seven or eight. He yeah. went in there with Ivan Jasper and he think he took a photo in the photo booth with the cover. And yeah. Cuddy's been in there a bunch of times, but that time stuck out. I think you blogged it. And then in 2012, didn't he like buy out the store or something? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Cuddy's always been a really good friend of the brands, especially in the early days. And he was really proud of that cover. He also, there's like, he, he took a photo with the cover and he also, because on the inside of it, there was a G-Shock ad with me and Ben. Oh. The full page spread. And so he was basically saying like, look, I made it, you guys made it. And like, we're here. That's awesome. And uh, he's far surpassed me since then. But at that time, we <laughs> yeah. were both on the same level almost. <laughs> Remember that. And then, yes, around 2012, he came in. I wasn't there that day, but he put his card down and he was just like, I'm buying everything for everybody in store. Get whatever you want. He spent thousands of dollars. And uh, a lot of people were like, wow, that's so kind and generous of him. And I was just like, dude, that's just what that guy does. That's not out of the ordinary at all. Totally. Who's the most surprising person that like came into the store that you kind of shocked you? Like if Christopher Walken like walked into the store or something like that. Dustin Hoffman used to come into this store. Ooh, uh, good one. Julia Louis Dreyfus used to come in and I used to have these really cool conversations. <laughs> there was a shirt, there was a series of shirts I made that sometimes I just do vanity designs that nobody cares about. Ben thinks are horrible. Everyone makes mm -hmm. fun of them me for there were they were college shirts where it said stanford harvard princeton but they were misspelled like it mm -hmm. said like stanford with a u and i was just like this is hilarious i'm just gonna put a few of them in there and she and julia louis drivers came in and she was just like these are genius and i was like thank you can you please tell that guy over there and ben was standing there he's just like these are trash ideas <laughs> like cornball was dustin hoffman writing for those ones too maybe a little bit of graduate <laughs> uh, appreciation <laughs> I forget. He came in with his son, but he was super stoked. A kid messaged me yesterday. Okay, so while we've been sentimental, at the same time, my customers have been very sentimental, and especially those who, are, who have been texting me. Mm. So people have just been telling me these crazy old Rosewood stories. And one of the kids yesterday, he's not a kid anymore, he's a grown-up, but he said that he was shopping his first time. He flew out to LA. He lived somewhere else, went to our store, um, you know, he couldn't believe he's in the store. He's walking out and Michelle Pfeiffer was walking in and he was like, okay, this is like the most LA moment. So, um, I don't, I feel like everyone at some point in LA at that time walked in or was aware of the store. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I've been feeling nostalgic too. I got to tell you guys before this episode, I was looking back. So I've had my Gmail account, my personal Gmail since like 2005 or whenever it was in beta or something like that. So anytime I want to go and, and think about things I bought from 15 years ago, I go in there and I was searching the hundreds <laughs> and finding all these <laughs> items I bought from the website or from like digital gravel in like 2007, oh, wow. 2008. Digital like, gravel. Wow. Oh my God. The Krylon yeah. shirt. Oh my God. Uh, the, yes. the pullover sweatshirt in a blue, uh, Broadway denim that I turned into cutoffs my first year of college. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, Uh, Neon atom bomb logo, gray t-shirt with the gray hundred sneakers to match, man. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Bringing it back to Puma, Bobby, you and I talked about this. I think it was at complex con like the night before and you know, Nipsey hustle, you spent time with him before his unfortunate passing. And there's a photo that you posted on your Instagram that you took, I think from the passenger seat that he was driving, right? Yeah. There's a mural of that up in, I think it's in Brooklyn. It is. You know what, Bobby, I I passed it in a car like a month or two ago and I almost, um, took a photo and sent it to you. You don't really answer my DMs anymore, but maybe I'll have to text you on the app thing. But there, there is there is a mural of it in Bushwick. That's amazing. Yeah, that's right. It's in Bushwick. He was working with Puma. Did you guys ever talk about his ventures and things like that? No, not on the Puma tip because mm-hmm. we weren't, our relationship with Puma hadn't started even. Got it. Actually, right around the time he passed is when we started talking to Puma and building that relationship. A large part of that segue into us talking to Puma was because of the Nipsey thing. Okay. I was super appreciative of how they treated him and worked with him like over the years and especially after his death, like how they just continued to promote and support him like in a really tasteful way. But from my perspective, it always looked like Puma was doing Nipsey's name right. And, uh, you know, look, like, let's be honest, a lot of people didn't care as much about Nipsey before his death as they Mm -hmm. did afterwards. There's, There's a contingent of people just didn't appreciate him as much and but puma always knew like they were following him forever supporting him forever Mm -hmm. had an appreciation so just the fact that they were there for him when he was alive and when everyone here in in the community knew like this guy was gonna be a celebrated musician like i was just like that's cool like I, i can respect that did you ever like give him advice on uh the marathon continues uh brand did you guys ever talk about that yeah what was that conversation like um we've shared a lot of the same if anything i think he was giving me advice like he would come to us for 
production advice, um, just like general business related things. But the dude was vastly intelligent, was more equipped as far as, you know, his business shrewdness and capabilities than we were. Like he was just so much smarter. He was listening to all the craziest things. He was constantly listening to podcasts, reading and like teaching me a lot of this stuff. And we shared a lot of the same philosophies around the idea of the marathon, about how this isn't a race, about how this is for the long haul. And, you know, it's such a contrast to how younger designers and brands build today. A lot of people are just really in it to, you know, get valued at a certain amount, flip the company two, three years in, do something else and just kind of jump around. That's largely like how a lot of kids operate their brands and their art now. It's just like, I want to do a little bit of everything and bounce around. And he was like, I want to stay committed, focus on this one thing. It's really about longevity. I want to be around in a hundred years. And we were always the same way. We were like, yeah, we want this to be like Levi's. We want to be like Nike. Like I want our great grandchildren running this company. And he was the same. So I can't really say like I mentored that guy. I, I didn't teach him anything. Like really, I felt like I learned more than anything. Were you surprised at how much the brand kind of resonated with rappers and those people were trying to connect with you? I mean, you mentioned it recently about Travis Scott having the atom bomb, the hundreds logo tattooed yeah. on his arm. Sorry, the old logo, the wildfire flag. And then the YG also has the atom bomb tattooed on him, right? Yeah, yeah. That the atom bomb cartoon mascot is kind of like a hood badge in a way. <laughs> um, uh, whenever I bring it up, everyone's just like, dude, everyone who grew up in that time, if you were from the hood, if you were trying to, rep- you know, you, you got that as almost like a badge of honor. And, um, and kids are still continuing that today in their own way. But at that time, it really meant something like, in that sense, it's cool. I mean, it's, it blows me away. You know, my kids were, I have a seven year old and a 10 year old. And when we were playing Fortnite, <laughs> and I was like, I want to go to the concert. And we were watching the Travis Scott thing. And I was just like, look, look at his arm, look at his arm. And they were like, what, what is that? And I'm like, look at his arm, look at the inside of his arm. And they're like, why is Adam Baum on there? And I was like, because he likes Adam Baum. And they're like, <laughs> that's oh, awesome. Why would he ever get a tattoo of the hundreds? And I'm like, because idiots at some point it really meant something to this guy because we're very cool yeah i was just like because i'm cool and they're like no no i I feel bad for travis because in that moment he lost a little little bit of credibility with my kids because they're just like okay he can't be that cool his daddy's logo tattooed on him this is not not that tight how do you feel when you see someone like travis like wearing sbs and stuff in this era something from you know your era i think it's fun i like it you guys know better than i do has the whole dunk resurgence sb thing is it gaining traction it's exploded i just didn't like i've been stuck in this room for the last few months i just don't (laughs) really know but i'm like freaking out i want to buy everything you know like so the next three that are dropping i need to get all three of them you've taken a break kind of from that but why has that shifted i don't know I have no idea. I think I'm just in this season of my life where I really just don't care. Like, I just don't take anything seriously at all anymore. And I just really want to have fun. And for the longest period of time, like within my career, there's so many eyes on me and there was so much like, what is he wearing? What's a lot mm-hmm. of pressure to behave or look a certain way or, you know, live up to an ideal or, or to be the guy. And so I was just, agnostic with everything like i just i'm wearing chucks and that's it and i don't care about sneakers and you know it just wasn't fun to me mm-hmm. and there is now this element of fun again around a lot of that stuff 
I don't know if maybe it is just I'm feeling nostalgic. Maybe I'm having a midlife crisis. I don't know. Are you going back and buying old sneakers that you always wanted? Stuff like the Reese Forb Dunks? I would. I mean, they're still so expensive for me. I make more money now, but in my brain, I'm still 20 years old and I have no money all the time when I look at sneakers. I'm like, dude, those are $600. Like, that's a lot. Like, I'm sorry. That's still a lot for anybody. And I just can't bring myself to buy stuff like that. Is that crazy to you? Like, you know, you see someone like Kylie Jenner wearing like the Stussy Dunks and a pair of those sold on StockX for $10,000, which she may or may not have purchased. Like, does that like blow your mind that like that street culture that you were part of back in the day has now become <laughs> like Kardashian fashion or like. That's such a leading question, Wealthy. Well, you know, <laughs> Wealthy loves He this just topic. said that SB has become Kardashian fashion, which isn't correct, but. Okay. I mean, it has. She, she's- we have a 10 minute segment devoted to this every week, Bobby. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest, the, uh, the Kardashian Kanye stuff, I have just, I don't know anything about it. I don't follow any of those people. I mute everything that comes from accounts like that. Like, I just don't know. I have no idea what's going on with them. And that's just a personal thing. It's nothing against I don't know those people, you know, so it's just, it's too much for me at a certain point in my life. And I was like, I'm better if I just don't listen to a lot of it. How much sneaker stuff are you paying attention to in 2020? Obviously you're working with Puma, but outside of that, like, do you watch what comes out every weekend? Do you get excited about sneakers still? I still get excited about certain sneakers, but really specific ones like the dunks, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of like whatever's cool in the moment. I don't really know. I don't really care too much about, I was asking Liz Beecroft, we had an interview yesterday and you know, she's very up on her sneakers and I was asking mm-hmm. her, I was like, where do you get all your information? She's just like, Oh, I'm on this app and I have this. And I was just like, I don't have any of that stuff. Usually by the time I find out about a shoe, it's way too late. <laughs> like it's already been out for three weeks. You know, it's everyone's just like, dude, those dropped like three weeks ago when they're thousand bucks on StockX and, I'm like, oh, well, those are cool. And I just kind of, that's the nature of how this goes now. You just can close your eyes for a week and open them. And then there's like five other new shoes that you need to buy. So I don't feel too bad about missing stuff anymore. You said that the Jordan 4 is your favorite Jordan. Have you been watching the documentary, The Last Dance? Okay, I haven't. Okay. And wow. not because, I, and it's taken an incredible amount of discipline to not watch it. And Sunday nights are a living hell for me. Okay. Yeah. I want to know why you haven't so that you have to have a good excuse. It's not, it's not the best excuse. (laughs) Okay. uh, Number one, I just, I want them all to drop together and I want to just dust through them. Okay. Okay. Mm. That's a thing for me. I don't want to wait a week. And then like secondarily, I'm just stuck on these, I'm not a good TV watcher. I really am not. Like, I have to force myself to commit to series. Um, I've never watched Game of Thrones, never watched Sopranos. Like, this is where you boot me off. I've never watched Breaking Bad. Uh, The Wire, I've watched only season one. Like, who stops? Like, (laughs) Wire. (laughs) Don hasn't watched The Sopranos either. Yeah, it's insane. So, like, the fact, yeah. So, it takes a lot for me to commit to a series, but it started happening during the pandemic where I started getting really into different series. It takes me a very long time. Like I watch like 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there. And, um, so I'm stuck on a Korean series right now, which is also strange. I've never watched Korean dramas in my life and I'm really into one. And so as soon as this is done, which is going to happen in the next two days, I'm jumping right into the Jordan stuff. But Sundays okay. have been awful. Cause like everyone is talking, they're like, Oh my God, yeah. this happened. I'm like, Oh, stop. do you get the Sunday scaries? 
Does that happen to you? Is that why it bugs you out? What are the Sunday scaries? Sunday scaries is when you have the anxiety of going back to work Monday. Okay. Um, my wife and this I- This works for himself. He's, he's like, I can't relate. <laughs> yeah. So well, this is funny. In our household, uh, my wife and my oldest son are the same. They get to Sunday scaries. Their Sunday scaries actually start like Friday night. Okay. They, Friday night, they start going, oh, on Sunday night, I'm going to get to Sunday scaries. Okay. Um, but I've never felt that in my life. Because I've just always loved my work. Yeah. So trying to get back into Monday morning. Like my work is my escape from my weekend, which is awful. Like that's such a terrible thing to say. Well, it's because you love what you do, man. Yeah, I love it. I like my work is really my escape. To that point, you brought up the latest collection, I think selling out in 17 minutes or 24 minutes or something like that. Does that ever get old for you starting in 2003 does that ever get old and kind of did you ever think that decades later it would still be like that and what is that feeling for you it's insane it's mind-blowing i it never gets old to ben and i we sit every time something sells out which is now it used to be once a week because we would do drops once a week now we're doing like sometimes two sometimes three drops a week we're still on the phone every night till like midnight just sitting there swiping the Shopify app going like, are you seeing this? Like, how is this possible? Like we were not, like I was saying earlier, we were not supposed to last this long. Streetwear was not supposed to last this long. None of it really makes any sense. Like we're not real polished business people. We never wrote a business plan. We have no idea what we're doing. Every meeting that our staff has that we, you know, get off, like we'll do a crazy Zoom call. Everyone leaves the room. Ben and I look at each other and we're like, what the hell are we doing? We have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> Just completely bullshitting all the way through impro- improvising. And so every win is like still feels as much to us as it did day one. Like I'm not exaggerating. It feels, I'm like, why would anyone buy this? What was your first moment like that? Was it the bandana hoodie? Yeah. There's a Japanese tattoo artist named Usugro that we were hanging out with. And he's like, let me make a shirt. He made a hundred of them and they sold out. And we were like, that's our first hit. And then it was the Paisley hoodies. That was a real big Remember those? What happened there? What happened? It's such a crazy long story, but all over print was starting to be a thing on the horizon for streetwear. And Mm -hmm all props to Maharishi with Camo and what Nico was doing with Bape. Like I got to, you know, say what it is. Our brands at that time, we didn't have cut and sew capabilities. We were all just small guys in garages that had access to a screen print shop. And we're like, how do you do all over print? That seems to be what separates the men from the boys. We can do a graphic right here, but how do you run over the seams? Oh, you got to cut and sew the shirt actually together to do that. Only brands like Bape, only brands like Maharishi can do that. And then we found there was an all over print machine. There was like two of them in Southern California that were operating at the time. Mm-hmm. And this is like 2005, 2006. Yeah. This is like 2005, yeah. 2006. And every 10 years, all over print comes back at that time. Maybe now it's the cycles happen faster. So let's say it's every four years, five years. And so we went to this shop and the guy was just like, you guys, every four or five years, you come back, you want me to dust off this whole machine, I'll do it. And it was a belt printing machine that will just run over the seams. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, well, um, what design are we going to do? I wanted to do something that resembled a bandana. I was just like, those, they're called Buta droplets, those little mm-hmm. droplets yeah. on a paisley print. I was like, I'm just going to throw those all over. And we made the hoodies. We only made... I forget the number, not a lot. And they were really shitty. Like if you actually looked at them up close because the paint would pool around the seams, collect, um, just not a really nicely finished job. But we didn't care and our customers didn't care. So we make these hoodies. 
I bring them back to our office, which was where the shop eventually ended up being. That afternoon, Nick Diamond was hanging out. Mega, he hadn't started Black Scale yet. Mega was there. Aaron Pepper, rest in peace, one of our homeboys from back in the day. And then I went inside. There was no social media. I went on the blog and I took photos. I uploaded them to the blog and I said, hey, these hoodies are going to drop tonight. And looked like that at the time was such a crazy way of going about doing business. Like that was a, an actual drop. It was hyped up. You know, people were literally logging to the hundreds.com multiple times a day to see what was happening because I was broadcasting from the street. So I said, these are going to drop tonight. And I went home, I built a PayPal shopping cart, which in those days, there really was not a proper way to set a limit. Mm-hmm. It just kind of would keep going. Like money would just keep coming in. And I finished the site at like two in the morning, said, hey, these hoodies are now available. I went to bed. I turned my phone off because I just assumed that Ben was going to call me early in the morning and tell me what happened. I was like, I just need to sleep. It's like two or mm-hmm. three in the morning. How many could we actually sell? Like maybe we'll sell 20. They were expensive. I think they were like $150, which again, in those years was like, it'd be like $300 today. Right. And so they go up for sale. And then the next morning at like, it must've been like eight. My girlfriend, who's now my wife, was on her way to work. She stopped by the apartment. She's banging on the door. And I wake up and I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Did I not pay my rent? Is it my landlord? And I run to my door and she's standing there and she's like, freaking out. She's like, turn off the website. And I'm like, what? She's like, why is your phone off? Ben's been trying to call you. He's been calling me. I had to get here. Turn off the website. You guys completely oversold. And I was like, how much did we sell? I go to the website. We sold, it was over a hundred thousand because we had to get back a lot, which again, at the time, there was no streetwear. There was none of this. There's no drops or anything. So in a night within hours, like selling hundreds of thousands of dollars of hoodie that we really didn't have. And also during that time, we were like, we're not going to make more. Everyone's like, just fill the orders. We're like, no, we're going to teach you a lesson. Like, you (laughs) you know, like the streetwear was all about teaching people lessons at the time. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. And so Ben called me. He's just like, do get to the office, which became our store. We show up at the office and he's like, oh my God, what do we do with all this money? We're freaking out. And he's just like, first we have to give half of this money back. But the money that we do have, he's like, let's build a store right here. Like right where we were talking from. He's like, I was like the office. He's like, everyone knows we're here. This is where people come out. It's a clubhouse. This is where Fairfax is happening. Like we'll build our neighborhood here. And I was like, all right. So we dumped hundred grand. Um, No one saw it coming. And so we put a big drape in front of the store and it just looked like it was under construction. I think a couple months later, we just took the drape off and it was just glowing. It's black custom cabinetry with art installation inside the photo booth built into the wall. And people were like, whoa, you take a photo on there and uploads to the website. I can be on the website too. That was like a significant turning point. It was an inflection point for the brand for us too. Cause we were like, we're real. Like we're a real company now. In 2008, you launched a footwear line. Yes. What was the most challenging part and what was the most fulfilling part of like designing sneakers? Designing sneakers, like all props to people who actually work within that space and have that talent and skill. It's a, it's a different animal than mm-hmm. designing a t-shirt, which is a different animal from designing cut and sew. And I know how to do those things um, well enough. But when it comes to designing sneakers, I have still so much to learn. And even like throughout the Puma project, I was just sitting there soaking in the knowledge from the Puma team. So when we launched our footwear brand, it took us four or five years just to get it right to the point where we felt like, okay, we now have a last that looks good to us. It 
you know, the flex of the shoe, like ev- the materials, like I understood the nuances of when you use this material versus like if it's a canvas versus a new buck and like how that changes the shape of a shoe. If you draw this line, like literally millimeters of a line can make a shoe feel awkward, fat, clumsy, or it could feel like sleek and feminine. It's just really cool. It's more about product design, um, but it took us years. Actually, by the time we figured out the best version or rendition of those shoes, we deaded the entire program. We're like, dude, we finally <laughs> got here and we're ending it. But What's the feeling that you get, though, when you put on the shoes that you designed for the first time? Like, um, are, you a, are you like a kid or? I love it. Yeah. I, same with our clothes, too. Like, it's just, especially if it's a shoe that we get to work on that I grew up with. Like, when we worked with Reebok, I did this, so much of the brand, like, this is so narcissistic, selfish, but so much of the brand is me trying to relive my childhood, right? Like, mm-hmm. sorry to my customers, but I'm really forcing you to live through my childhood over and over again. And the Reebok pump collab that we did was a cross trainer that when I was growing up, there was one kid in my class, his name was Peter and he had them and they were just so cool. They were a mid, they weren't a high or a low. And usually mids are gross. Um, but that was like a good mid and the colors of it were aqua black and white. And I always wanted that shoe, but, my parents wouldn't buy me shoes like that growing up. I shopped at the swap meet, which is why I love Chuck so much. I bought Chuck's from the swap meet. They were $25. And so I was like, I always want this shoe. And I want this shoe. And Reebok was like, hey, we had done a bunch of shoes with Reebok. And they were like, do you want to do pump? And I'm like, only if we do this pump. And so putting those shoes on for the first time, I was like, yeah, dude, life comes full circle. It's just like a feather in the cap. For me, it's just like a personal win where no one else really cares. But for me, it's a big deal. Speaking of feather in the cap, shout out to Peter, but one of the hundreds <laughs> items I always missed buying was the Peter Pan collaboration, the green one with the feather on the side. It was felt that yeah. hat. So there was, um, it was part of the Lost Boys project, the Disney yeah. collab, which is, I can do an hour's worth of stories just around that Disney collab and what that did to Disney, what it did to licensing, what it did for us. But part of that club, which yeah, a lot of people forget, they remember the shirts because Kanye blogged about it and he only really talked the shirts, but there was two hats. One was Hook's hat, which was like a black felt with like his crossbones, skull crossbones. And then there was the Peter Pan hat, which was a green felt with like the orange feather. And we only made, I think a hundred of each of those hats. Those hats actually sold out before the shirts. They sold out within minutes Mm. and it's very rare. Like I, people rarely pull them up. Like I never see them. People pull up the Lost Boys stuff all the time. They're like, Oh, remember this shirt? Um, there was also a women's brand we had at the time called tens and for tens, we made a Tinkerbell shirt. So there's actually, that's just as rare as the, as the hats. It's a perfect full circle moment too. Cause we were talking about wealthy's Disneyland trip before you got on the call here, Bobby. When'd you go to Disneyland? <laughs> uh, it was for, it was for, um, the Vans collaboration, like Vans, oh. Disney. Speaking of those pop culture collaborations though, like you said, you were like, kind of like the pioneer of doing that to a certain extent, I'd like to say. Yeah. And now it's kind of just like the norm for sportswear brands, streetwear brands, the kind of like licensing projects. Yeah, like you see yeah. like Puma collaborates with Barbie, you know, stuff on that. Yeah. Do you ever think that it would take off to that degree? No. Streetwear comes from a place of organic collaborations, right? An artist that's working with another artist, like when I'm trying to I don't know, back in the day it would have been like Futuro working with Supreme or Stash working with Bape. Like these are artists, people who actually hang out amongst themselves. I'm assuming a lot of their contracts were done on cocktail napkins. And so the idea of doing a licensing project was a big no-no, especially when we were starting. Uh, 
when I started floating out the idea that we were working with Disney, there was a lot of resistance from our customer base and just from the streetwear market in general. They're like, yo, that's corny. Um, you're selling out. That's a big company. It's a corporation. Like you guys shouldn't be supporting them, which is strange to think about today, but that was the spirit back then. It was so independent and people were not down with it. And so even from the corporate side, from Disney side too, they did not appreciate what smaller brands, streetwear brands, young artists could do for their brand. They were used to these huge licensing deals. Like mm -hmm. we're going to put Mickey Mouse clothes in Macy's. Like everyone makes a ton of money. It's not about credibility or building culture or cool or any of that stuff. And when we started working, they worked with us because I kept ripping them off. Like I would do a Mickey, I don't remember this Mickey Mouse shirt where he's wearing dunks and um, it was called Mousey and on the back it had like the Disney logo, but it was LA. And they came and visited our booth at Magic and were like, we're going to sue you guys. <laughs> stop. Wow. Yeah, they were like, you Bob really Iger pulled up on you? Yeah. yeah, yeah Bob Iger pulled <laughs> Like, who's in charge? <laughs> um, but they were like, you have to stop. We're going to sue you. Or we can do this the right way. And I was like, what's the right way? And they are like, well, it's just done through licensing. And I was just like, okay, I'm not really interested because I like collaborating. Like, I need to actually work with you. I don't want to just take something from your toolkit and then transport it onto a shirt and that's it. It's like, I want to actually write the hundreds in the Disney font. I want mm -hmm. the guys, the characters to be wearing our logos and mascots, which is, if you know about this stuff, it's a crazy, like anytime you see mer logos merge, um, you know, properties like on the same plane, like that's a huge win. Like that's an actual collaboration. Like you with Pepsi, right? <laughs> Yes, ex exactly. So you, there's a difference between collaborations, like true collaborations and licensing projects. And that was, um, they allowed us, there was a guy that was working there at the time. I'm not going to put him on blast, but he helped us get uh, a lot of this stuff done under the radar. And Disney was used to such big projects. They weren't paying attention. And we got the hundreds in the Disney font. It's, and it just says, and under it, it says Disney just with a copyright, which they They'll never allow again. Um, the characters are wearing our logos. A bunch of things. We broke all the rules. Um, as the story goes, like it all sold out. We weren't allowed back on Disney's campus for years. When we <laughs> did go back, I think like six years later. Just like right, wealthy kicked out of Disneyland. At the yeah, right when trip. we sat down, they were like, you guys, did you know that we rewrote the entire licensing program be because of that Hunter's project? After that, they were like, no, one's ever get, no one ever gets to write their name in the, in the Disney font. You never really? get to write just Disney. But it, so it set the tone for a lot of licensing. And that's still why you don't see a lot of Disney projects. We work a lot with Warner Brothers, Universal, DreamWorks, like as far as studios go. Um, you don't see a lot of Disney stuff because... I know you still got the passes. You stay at the Star Wars park, Bobby. I've been there a couple of times, but I haven't rode the, the new one. I was there opening weekend for the, the Star Wars land. It was awesome. Bobby... I don't know, Kanye just came up, but I remember 2008, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, were you at the Casio G-Shock party? Yes. And like the You you were like full blogging Bobby. Yes. And I think you got like, the, did you get like the only footage or something? I remember, because I remember this? I was in the, I was in the crowd with you. First of all, <laughs> it was young in my career. It was young in my career. And I'm like, Noah was with me, I think. Oh God. This is in New York? Yes. In New York, Casio yeah. 25th anniversary. I just remember being like, holy shit, I've made it. I am at like an exclusive like Kanye that. West G-Shock performance. And I was like, Bobby Hundreds is right <laughs> behind me. And then, and then this was peak Bobby Hundreds blog era. Yeah. You had like 
the first footage. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So I felt the same way. I, we were in New York. I think we actually were, we weren't flown out there, but I think we may have gone out there for that party. Okay. Because um, we were invited to a party and it was a big yeah. deal. And I don't think they had, maybe they had announced Kanye, but maybe it was a surprise. Everyone's like, maybe Kanye is coming. Mm-hmm. And that was like a different Kanye too. And yeah. um, Ben and I were just excited. We pr- probably put on some cool dunks, you know? <laughs> Anyway, so we walked into the building and I remember seeing Leah and Leah and I were friends at that point, but still like, and still to this married to the mob, still revere Leah. So I was Mm -hmm. just like, Oh my God, Leah's here. And I turn around, it's Ricky Powell. And I was like, yo, you're Ricky Powell. He's like, I'm Ricky Powell. And I'm like, but you're Ricky Powell. This is a big (laughs) deal for me. And, um, and then everyone's like, dude, go upstairs. Like, you know, Connie's performing and some, so back then bloggy Bobby, you know, pre-social media. So no one's taking photos. Like no Mm. one cares. There's no cameras on phones or anything like that. Not good ones anyways. And so um, I somehow would always finagle in an an SLR DSLR wherever I went. Mm -hmm. Like I would just say I'm part of the press or this is my company. And, or I would literally like just hop a fence somewhere and get in, take a photo. They'd be like, no photos. I'm like, sorry. And then walk in and I would have photo and put it on. Yeah. (laughs) That was the game back then. It was like such a rush. And um, yeah, Kanye came out and did his whole, God, man. Didn't he have the naked girls on yes, stage? Yes, he did. Yeah. He did. That's right. God. So, I know. This is such Wait. a weird... I don't, no, go ahead. Go. No, go, I just... Sweet. It's such a weird thing to think about that, that there was a time yeah. like... That just seems like another lifetime, another reality. And I remember you guys had the first footage and I think... Did they like come after you to take it down the label or something or no? Probably because every big thing I ever got, I'd always get or really i think i went to like an alien workshop skate premiere i posted like heath's like heath kirchart's last clip you know like alien workshop took our youtube page down which we still suffer for just yeah every time i had like a, a pass to shiat day through another friend of mine i won't say and like i gave took photos of all of shiat day posted it on the blog and then within like six hours they're like you have to take this down like no one's ever seen the inside of this place (laughs) yeah (laughs) but that was the game back then and everyone loved it you know they knew like it was as much as it was like access for me and the brand really what i was doing and i'm still doing that today it's like i was holding your hand going like this is fun for me too like let's go together i want you to see this that's what i was Mm -hmm. doing that night at the g-shock party i was just you know i've still i felt like just a kid so i was like Hey, like we're all in this together. Let's go. Let's go. Like, see this, Kanye. This is crazy. I know this is insane. And so, I, you know, we've always carried that spirit with the brand. It's that we're. This is exciting for us. It's still exciting for me when something sells out. We do shoot Project Puma. I'm like genuinely like, dude, this is a win for us all. Like, yeah. this is what yeah. it feels like. I'm gonna tell you what it feels like. Um, but back then, yeah, man, we were we were young. Do you, do you ever interact with Kanye on Fairfax? Did he ever come in or anything like that? Did you ever see any, like, the thing about Kanye is he's always around doing projects. And I feel like everyone in the industry has kind of like came in contact with him. Do you have any interactions with him? No, I've never met Kanye. I don't think Ben has ever met him. Obviously, we have mutual friends and sometimes they ask for, he wants something and then we give it to him. I think the last time that happened, which was a while ago, was the, we did a collaboration with Bromance Records and with Berdinsky and, and those guys, and he wanted the hoodie, and so he wore it. To, the one Louis Vuitton had like a show here in the desert or something, like he wore it to that. But you know, that's cool. I have many thoughts about Kanye. 
Yeah. We all do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. For another day. Sure. Well, we know time is limited. We want to thank you so much. Are the Pumas staggered release or what? This collection of these four shoes with their uh, corresponding outfits and there's a pair of slides as well. They're out now. Like they all kind of dropped at the same time. And this fall, there's going to be four more shoes, four different shoes and four different outfits. And uh, that's more of a collection about sustainability and what it means to make less wasteful clothing. Awesome. Can't thank you enough, Bobby. Hopefully next time we see each other, we're at the Serving Spoon in LA and we're talking about this crazy time looking back at this and uh, how we came out of it. But um, like I said, that 2008 party with Kanye and the Casio G-Shock, I remember being like, dude, Bobby Hundreds is right behind me. So it's true. Always great talking to you and we can't thank you enough for being on the pod. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate it, Bobby. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, definitely great. Stay safe, okay? All right. You too, guys. Our producer is Shiva Bayet. Sound engineering done by Kyle Garvey. Special thanks to Dave Matthews and Jennifer Stewart. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is part of the Complex Podcast Network.